Whenever the Ludomasses are presented with a new addition to the family, we place a blank playing card into the box. Our initiate then has the privilege of drawing the card, and Mr. LeBail will tell us which game to play. I got chess. I got old maid. Seriously, what the f is old maid? Fitch. So I just take out the card? My dear, it is your turn. <laughs> what does it say, girl? <laughs> it says hide and seek. Are we really going to play that? Everything okay? That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There's nothing to fear except God. Whatever that means to you. podcast exploring faith and fear what scares us and what saves us this is the fear of god hello and welcome to the fear of god where we explore the holy and the horrific at the intersection of faith and fear dissecting what scares us in order to find what saves us. Welcome to week four of our look back at some of your listener-voted top ten horror films of 2019. So three weeks ago, we started with Joker. Two weeks ago, like a rock upside the head, we dug into Bong Joon-ho's multi-award winning, multi-Oscar award winning Parasite. And last week, we were joined, uh, thank you again, to special literary correspondent Meredith Curran for joining us for our uh, extended conversation about Ari Aster's Midsommar. This week, we are going to be playing lots and lots of games. I hope you're ready, but ready or not, here we come. Speaking to you right now is one of your co-hosts, Reed Lackey. Typically with me is Nathan Rouse, but he told me that the game that was selected for him was Twister. I don't know what it meant. I don't know why he had to suddenly run away to play a game of Twister, but I guess that's part of this whole initiation process. But while we're waiting for him, we would like you, please, to, if you enjoy what we do or if, if what we've done sounds intriguing to you, then please come find us on Twitter, on Instagram, join our Facebook group for lively discussions and horror and genre-themed uh, books and media and film and just all kinds of fun things happening. Because here, we explore, we don't explain, except for right this minute, when I'm going to explain to you that you can listen to the Fear of God podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, 
CastBox. We want to thank you very, very much, uh, the Fogger community, for all that you've done to support us in all of these different avenues. And we want to especially thank our Fogger continuity guru, Steve Beckley, who's recently refreshed and been refreshing our Letterboxd page, so you can go over and find us on Letterboxd as well. But while you're at it, while you're listening to us on your podcast platform of choice, subscribe to us and leave a five-star rating and or a glowing review. As mentioned, the Fear of God Podcast.com is your new home and our new hub for all things foggy. So I want you to go uh, and follow fellow foggers in their Fear of God merch. Speaking of merch, do yourself a favor, click on the merch button to make a merch perch. You can find art from the Fear of God on t shirts or mugs or cell phone cases or pillows or Nathan! Nathan! Right there you hand are. red. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Is that all you got for your for your Twitter extravaganza? Just right hand red. That my was the Twitter extravaganza. Did I say Twitter? I meant Twitter. You did just then. For your Twister. Twister. For your Twister extravaganza. Well, that was just one instruction of many. You missed. Uh, I imagine you were chatting the people up. You missed. I had like right foot blue, and then left arm green. <laughs> You and you then, were struggling to conjure the body part there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then right ear orange. <laughs> it's right weird. Ear. It's a new it's a new version of Twister. Like Oh, okay. Yeah. Are Twister you, against humanity, they call it. Yeah. I bet that would be a very <laughs> a very different type of game. Now <laughs> I know that generally you're a bit of a a game guy. Like you like you like board games. I in I fact do. recently I do. gifted you that what was it? Oh, Horrified is the name of that game. Yes, which um, I still play and I still love so much. So that's awesome. So did exciting. you did you grow up like? Were you like? Uh, we we've talked about Nintendo and stuff before, and your how you excel at that. Um, well, <laughs> wrestling by by some, by some standards. Yeah, I appreciate right, right. you bringing that up. Why don't you but just give me a like, paper cut and put lemon juice in it? <laughs> but like board games and stuff. Did y'all? Did you grow up doing that? You know, it's funny. Every opportunity I could, yes. But uh, it did not occur as frequently as I would like. Honestly, my board game obsession kind of began more in high school and sort of uh, made its way through college. I always, I always liked board games and games of any sort of sort, uh, you know, variety. But it was difficult for me to find people who were mutually interested in it to get together and to play. So yeah, yeah. Well, I've got a really funny story to share about gaming. But before I get to that, I am just curious. What you watching? <laughs> <laughs> what you reading? Oh my gosh! What you playing? <laughs> so exciting. what you listening to? <laughs> nice, yeah, nice. yeah. Uh, read what you watching, reading, playing, listening to, buddy. So the biggest thing. Oh man, I'm going to give you just a, a brief musical cue to give you a hint of what's been on in my world these last few days. Is that Superman theme? No, Richard Donner. That's um. Hang on, I must have done it poorly. I must have done it. Indiana Jones. No, I must have. No. Wow. I stink on so many levels. Okay. It's not Star Wars because I know that one. Yeah, you do. I thought I did. Um, not in this day and age, you don't. No, I don't. That way. It's like I never need. <laughs> so, all right. Let us not belabor the point. So, um, so sincerely, I uh, am very, very excited because I acquired, for however long, CBS All Access, and I have been making my way through Star Trek Picard. To be clear, I, I did know what that was. 
Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, okay. The listener, the listener. It was very apparent that the li- to the listeners that you were hazing me, as you so frequently <laughs> do. So, so I. Uh, what's What's interesting? This was a, a completely different approach to a Star Trek series. Um, I'm presuming. I don't know if you have access to CBS All, Access, CBS All Access or not, but I'm presuming you have not seen Picard yet, or I don't know what your interest level is. Um, my interest level is decent. Uh, I have yeah. not started it. I think it was going to be one of those where I was, because I do love Patrick Stewart, and and you know it's no Virgin Megastore, but I, <laughs> I, I've stood I've stood about two feet from him. You sure uh, did. I didn't get to see him, but um. Uh, I am interested and intrigued. I think I was kind of waiting just to see, like, okay, what the general consensus is going to be. And if it was, sure, sure. you know, modest to strong, I, I will take an interest and, and check it out. Um, gotcha. Uh, when it's a little more of it is out. So so how many is it? What's out? So there's going to be what, 10 episodes. What are the episodes. deets, Reed? What are the deets? <laughs> Tell me. There's going to be 10 episodes. It's already been renewed for a season two. And uh, basically it's uh, – the, the series picks up – about 20 years after the final film. You know, we, you and I saw Star Trek Nemesis together. I was surprised Kinda to discover... It for me. It does. But I was surprised to discover in the uh, first, maybe 15 minutes of the first episode, um, it heavily references the events of Nemesis. Huh. Um, but what's interesting is it heavily references the events of Nemesis, but also clearly takes place in the J.J. Abrams iteration of oh, the wow. Star Trek universe. Um, so it's, it's this fascinating little, uh, little line that it's, that it's walking. Um, so presumably... Right. Remind me, uh, as brief as you can, how does that work? Because it's been a while since I've watched the Abrams Treks, but I have seen all of them. So I know. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. No. Well. No. 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 I mean, I'm just so they don't heavily reference like the events of the three Abrams movies, but there is one major thing that they reveal happened in the first episode that, to my if if I'm understanding it correctly, only took place oh. in J.J. Abrams' world. Now, what might be the case, and and perhaps larger fans of Star Trek than I am may correct me on this. What might be the case is that. These events did take place in J.J. Abrams' world, but Star Trek Picard merely presumes that they also took place in the core timeline just later on. From That's way too much to events. think about. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, the, the, the baseline, and this is not too big of a spoiler to say this, the baseline is um, that the events of Nemesis took place, but in this world, Romulus was destroyed, which is the main tether connection to J.J. Uh, Abrams' films. But I say it was his films. He only directed the first two, and then the uh, the third one was directed by uh, the director of Fast and the Furious, but his name is not coming to me. I think Justin Lin might be his Vin name. Diesel? Oh. No. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> I, I, I don't want this to go on forever. So, um, the, uh, so anyway, uh, the, the premise of this is that basically what happened was uh, Romulus was destroyed, and in that effort, Starfleet was reached out to to kind of save Romulan refugees. And they made an active decision through some admittedly complicated factors. They made an active decision to not uh, take in these refugees. And many, many Romulans died. Uh, Picard was an an advocate for assisting those people. And he broke with Starfleet. Um, He was a highly decorated admiral in Starfleet. And he basically sort of left Starfleet as a result of these. So where we find him is living out his retirement 
in his vineyard. Um, I don't want to go into too many more details of it in case people are trying to avoid spoilers, but the story picks up from there, um, and he is basically forced into an adventure uh, on the horizon. But the biggest connection to Nemesis, spoiler alert, for the end of Star Trek Nemesis, which is, as much as I love Star Trek, not a film that is much worth your time, but um, Lieutenant Commander Data dies at the end of Star Trek Nemesis. Um, and the premise of this series is heavily dependent upon Data's death. So um, that's that's why it and how it directly ties to the events there. What's interesting to me about it, before I close down my thoughts on it, is that Star Trek has always been primarily episodic, with a, a problem being introduced in an episode that is by and large resolved by the end of the episode. Maybe lo- larger arcs over time, particularly in the Deep Space Nine series, but for the most part, the episode resolves the tension. This is specifically serialized. You could not jump in. You could conceivably jump in to season four of Star Trek Next Generation. You'll be able to follow what's going on. There might be larger beats that you don't know, but the episode will be um, encapsulated. Yes, self-contained. This is not a series that you could jump in on episode four and be able to follow the the path of what's happening. It's definitely long-form storytelling. Um, I've been delighted by the cameos that have taken place already, uh, many of which were teased in the previews, but, um, so I'm really digging it. So Marina Sirtis. Uh, yes. And, uh, of course, Jonathan Frakes. Right. I was just, I just want some praise that I knew Marina Sirtis's name. Uh, You know what? Yes. Uh, Congratulations. You, you do. Thank you. Yeah. Marina Sirtis. You know, I met her, you know, I I know, I know when you went to Vegas to see Cher. Correct. Yes. I met, you went across the street Uh, to the Trek, Trek, Trekkie con. I sure did. I met like uh, Shaka Khan there. <laughs> yeah, I met uh, you know John Delancey. I met Denise Crosby. Uh, yeah, I met I met all these people. So uh, yeah, you know, was, Reed, your fun your time. franchise is just the aliens of it are just ninety percent humans with pointy ears. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what? Them's fighting words. Um, I, you know, I can't <laughs> I can't back that up. I'm just quoting somebody else. So, but to 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 leave Starfleet behind. Um, yes, Star Trek Picard. I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it so far. Four episodes in. It's very different, but I'm, I'm, it's, it's a really exciting series, and I'm excited to see where they go with it. So, yep, that's what I've been watching. Well, cool. What if is what it my turn now? Is it my turn? Yeah, now? it was what a if, lot of what have you been Trek watching? talk. I kind of zoned out. Did I tell you about the time that I sat I got with, beamed? I got beamed with up. Walter Koenig. And did I tell you about the time you did? Will you Wheaton did not me not auto, autograph. N- not too long ago, in fact. It was. It was. I know. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's you know. You know, I second actually second half of last year. Oh my god! <laughs> I met Uhura as well at a at a at a concert. She was so sweet. She thanked me. Uh, you know, for, you met her at a concert. Like uh, y'all just ran into each other. Yes, she was at a Star Trek themed concert, and uh, oh my I gosh, bol- I boldly oh my walked gosh. up and and spoke. You to boldly her. went. I boldly went. Where many many people were going, but uh, okay. but you know, like lots of people shaking her hand. And oh my gosh! She, were you dressed? Were you dressed up writing. though? It was great. No, I was not dressed up. But you went to a Star uh, Trek themed concert and did not kind of kind of doll yourself up. I, you didn't. You didn't cosplay as Wesley Crusher. Well, now I feel like it was a missed opportunity, but <laughs> it, it definitely was that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. At, 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 at minimum, a, at minimum, a red shirt. Throw a red shirt on yourself. Oh. Oh, you know um, that would have been appropriate. That's my I know. Halloween I know. I can speak Trek, sort of. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. This... So, do you want heavy or do you want light? You just oh one. man, you have either. Oh, if I just have one, yeah. I'll tell you what. Let's go light this time. Around. Okay. Okay. You've been given a lot of heavy. 
Yeah, and the other heavy, this heavy was super heavy. Um, okay, so yeah, let's go light this time. Um, it won't take long. Uh, my wife and I are in the very end of season four of Shit's Creek. Um, <gasps> so yeah, oh, we've been. How we've been, are you liking it, Nathan? Yeah, lucky. Um, we have been trucking along. Um, here's what's fun about Shit's Creek is like episode to episode it's it's good and and mm-hmm. quality every kind of 30 minutes of runtime which means you know not not it doesn't happen every single episode it sure kinda, sure kind of you know if you were to just play it start it and then keep going every 30 minutes or so there's a stroke of comedic brilliance that is just laugh yeah. out loud guffaw yeah. level funny um oh yes you know in in a in a lot of ways, it's it's a pretty straightforward, you know, kind of sitcom. Um, in a lot of ways, it kind of distinguishes itself from that mold. Uh, I do. Th- you and I actually, I don't know that we've really conversed about this, but this is just a random sweeping assessment. But the episode one bit with Catherine O'Hara and her video of the vineyard. Oh my god. Almost 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 played their card too too hard. Because oh, and that, how funny it was. Yeah, because okay, yeah, that yeah, yeah, that yeah. bit is maybe one of the top ten funny things I've seen in the last decade. You like how I just did that? I'm trying for lackey yeah, list, listicle lackey, the occasionally it. listless list maker. You know what? <laughs> you are you are such a an apt student. I just I, you're an apt pupil. I I love it. I love so um no, but that that little bit is hysterical. It's one um, of the funniest things I've ever seen. And something I just really like about the show is it's now for as funny as I like to think I am and and enjoy comedic interplay. I don't watch a ton of just like sitcoms. Oh um, okay sure. So yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if this rhythm is is uncommon and or unique to Schitt's Creek. But one thing I really like about the show is it's got a very organic flow to it. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, one episode might be like the day after the previous episode and it's very rooted in its own kind of timeline and world. I don't know. I, uh, that's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're enjoying it. Um, Catherine O'Hara is a queen and Eugene Levy's facial expressions are to die for. Um, Man, he's so wonderful. He's so uh, wonderful. Dan, his son, and the actress Annie, whose last name eludes me at the moment, uh, who plays the daughter. Uh, Twyla. Oh, no, 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 so, no. Or, sorry. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The, who plays the daughter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, them, but them as a core troop are just oh, they're, fantastic. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. It's, it's real excellent so, comedy. We we sh- we need to move on, but the but like an observation. There have been a ton of observations recently about Shit's Creek, and one of my favorite about them. Now remember, I haven't is- finished it. No, 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 that's fine. Okay, no. okay. Um, but that like so many shows where the the rich folk come down to the country bumpkins, like the uh the the country bumpkins are viewed as like these ignorant people who are just, you know, ridiculous and absurd and the the rich people are kind of trying to elevate them along the way but what is remarkable about the approach in Shit's Creek is that it it in in a loving and endearing way it is exactly the opposite like they are teaching these people 
how to the 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 small like sort of country bumpkin dregs of society are teaching the Rose family how to be a family and how right. to love each other and how to be a part of community and that's that's remarkably beautiful and uplifting and it's all while being pretty hilarious at the same will time you, so it's it's wonderful will you tell briefly the story of your attempt to buy an you david shirt for your wife <laughs> <laughs> sure sure what so re- real quick i'll, I'll, I'll I tell that I'll, story i'll set up uh so <laughs> in in the show the the sibling interplay between alexis and david her brother is actually really lovely and sweet <laughs> But the actress who plays Alexis, the adult sister, is they both of them have extremely distinct physicalities to their characters and very, very, uh, you know, the body language and the verbal tics are very pronounced. But Alexis to her brother, a catchphrase that develops through the course of the show, which is not in within the show itself, but meta is you. EW, the word <laughs> you, David. Like if something is gross or yes, yucky to yes. her, to her brother, she'll go, ew, David. And so that's the setup for this story. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a wonderful shirt that my wife wanted uh, for Christmas that just says, ew, David, on the on the shirt. And so this is not only a story about my adventures trying to acquire that shirt, but it is a wonderful shout out to our merchandise holders, uh, tpublic.com. <laughs> Um, uh, so, so be aware, all of you who have, uh, done a merch perch that, uh, you have probably received fear of God merchandise and we, we thank you for that. Um, I went to same said place and did a merch perch of a different variety, uh, expecting to receive an U David shirt. So I received it and when I got it, I did not open the package until <laughs> I went to, until I went to wrap it. And so it sat there for like, you know, probably two or three days. And so then I finally like, oh, I, you know, I got to wrap all these presents. So I opened it up, and when I pulled it out, at, at first I was a little surprised because the shirt was was yellow. And I was like, I thought this shirt was pink. And so I pulled it open, and instead of, ew, David, it was these these bees, like bumblebees. Ornitho- yes, yeah. ornithological bumblebees. Um, and these bees were there with little ghost costumes on them like Charlie Brown. So you're, so you're picturing this it's 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 bees with ghost costumes and under it the words b o o b e e s yes that's right under it the words boo bees <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> that was the that was the shirt that arrived i took Nathan, I took one look at I that. I showed my wife that. We laughed and laughed. Oh, my gosh. I panicked. I was sitting there. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And the first thought that went through my mind is, man, I done, I done screwed up. I ordered the complete. Like, I pushed the wrong button. Like, how in the world did this happen? So I went back and I pulled up the, the order that you get a confirmation email from. And no, I had ordered the Schitt's Creek Ooh David shirt. Um, so, so thankfully this, this all ends in a big shout out to, uh, our, our merch perch holders, tpublic.com cause they immediately, uh, rapidly, uh, went into action of trying to take care and replace the shirt, uh, which they did. And the new shirt was wonderful, but, uh, yes, that was my miss so trying, they, <laughs> trying they, to order. They took back your boobies and gave you the shit you were after all along. They didn't even, they didn't even require it back. I got both shirts. Oh. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> what a great punchline to that story. <laughs> I, uh, I was able to keep both shirts. So, you know, my wife got one and I got one. So that's how, that's how that story goes. <laughs> what you watching? What you buying? You better check what you're listening to. Wow. Oh, that's hysterical. Gosh. That's hysterical. No. So read Ready today. Today we are mm. talking about 2019's uh, listener voted uh, a best of selection and that of the Samara Weaving starring Ready or Not. Now, I asked you 10 minutes ago now about games. So, yes. I when I was in high school, I had a brief moment in time where I just mentioned on Star Wars about the Star Wars collectible card game. Well, I can't remember if the Star Wars game preceded this era or after it, I don't know. But I did play Magic the Gathering for a brief moment in time. Do you, do you know what Magic oh, the I Gathering know. is? Okay, yeah, okay. I never, to, like in transparency, I never played that one. So like I played D&D well, in high school, but you, I never. Yeah. Oh, okay, never mind. I was about to make a comment about your upbringing, and so you just. But wrecked. no, it was it was all in secret. You were even no, worse like than me. You had D&D. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, no. It was all in secret. I, I, I was only ever, you know, able to play like at school on like lunch break and stuff like that. But no, I played a little D and D when I was in high school. But no, uh, never got into Magic the Gathering. Well, little little fun anecdote here. Peek behind the curtain. So I had a good buddy in high school whose parents were of the Pentecostal fundamentalist variety. Oh, I know those. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> As I was saying it, I was like, huh, it's not Reed, though. <laughs> and he could have been. Yeah, yeah. So him and myself and a couple other guys started playing Magic. This is maybe for like, I don't know, six months, one particular year of high school, if okay. that long. And one son and his parents hated the fact that we were playing Magic the Gathering. Sure. Um and one Sunday afternoon, we're hanging out at his house at his dining room table, and there's four of us, uh, on one on each side of the table, playing Magic the Gathering. And this buddy of mine loved to needle his parents. Like, it was a very dysfunctional home. Oh, and, that's a shame. Well, except that it yields fun stories like this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so For the sake of comedy, it's fun. <laughs> So much qualifies there. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, Reed, tell that dumb embarrassing story for all the people. Um, <laughs> remember when I remember when I kicked her out of the restaurant? I remember that. <laughs> Boobies. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh so anyway, one Sunday afternoon, we're playing Magic the Gathering, and my buddy calls his like like your. I know your parents, and your parents at least generally have their faculties together in their social comings and goings um now his didn't quite qualify there and he we're sitting around the table and he yells hey mom come look at this again just totally needling her on the fact that we were playing magic the gathering the devil's game oh boy yeah 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 she comes in and (laughs) i don't even remember how premeditated this was he's like watch this and he starts waving his hands over the table, like, ooh. Oh, oh no. And those oh, of no. us under the table start lifting it up and moving it around. No. 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 <laughs> and she just goes, that's not funny, and storms out of the room. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He yeah. He starts lifting up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
was levitating. It was amazing. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. Good times. So yes, oh, we are talking today about the gaming infused and board game inspired ready or not here's another ready really fun, here's not. another really funny story we're gonna get to this movie but when i went to this movie <laughs> I, w- I went to see this movie with my nephew whom i can shout out drew and his girlfriend ashley and this is one of the dumbest things i've ever done in my life reed <laughs> to quote mike wazowski in my life um <laughs> so we go to the movies we're running late uh my gas light is on we oh, get mm-hmm. there. I don't like running late for the movies. You know this. Like I am like, oh no, no, no. Previews. I'm aware. Got to get my seat. All that stuff. And we hop out. And as we're walking away, I hear what sounds like a car beep that sounds eerily like mine, like familiar, but I don't. It doesn't. It registers subconsciously. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we go in. We watch the movie. We come back out. Read. We're approaching yes. the car. And I'm trying to use my little fob to turn off the car or to turn. I'm sorry, to unlock the car. And it's not not clicking. I'm I'm seeing it. The closer I get to the car, I realize I had put the car in park and left it on. (gasps) No. No. Yes. It was running the whole time? Yes. No. Unlocked with no gas, with like on fumes. And what? (laughs) That. What? No. It's like, <laughs> forky ass a question. 30, th- 30 minutes later, I'm still, really? What? what? Yeah. No, what? really. It was no. that. Yes. <laughs> That's. No. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of fumes. Speaking, oh, you've got, there's, there's listeners forky. don't see that you're, that one of your Waving companions right. is, uh, yes, one of your companions is Forky from Toy Story 4 yeah. on your on So, your yeah, tablet. that happened when I went to go see Ready or Not, and let's finally... Talk dive about in. this film. Let's, yeah. let's, let's dive in. Yes, let's dive in. Um, so I missed this in the theaters to my dismay. My theater viewing is limited these days, which is, is really distressing. It's a combination of work and lack of babysitters and all this and just a general availability and whatever. But um, so, yeah, my I missed this in the theater, but had seen the rave reviews for it uh, strongly considered for man. It is very tempting for highly acclaimed, particularly horror films, when Voodoo, the digital service, has a tendency to about two to three weeks before they are released to, say, Redbox or to you know purchase on DVD or whatever, uh, Voodoo will have them on early access digitally. Um, they're not the only service that does that. I think iTunes sometimes has some you know early access release. It is now becoming more and more common practice for a film to be released uh, digitally earlier than the physical copy of it is released. And uh, Ready or Not was almost one. I didn't ultimately wind up doing it, but it was almost one that I picked up on a blind buy like early because I was so anxious to see it. But I held out, and I waited until it was it was uh, rentable, and then I just watched it at home. But, man, this was a delightful film. I, I thought this film was fantastic. Great. And it it's is so great. It's hysterical. So great. Like <laughs> it really is. I, 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 I did see it in the theater. I was mentioned in my car almost got or should have gotten stolen. I was so stupid. Um, amazing. And then rewatching it for this conversation, I was just once more struck. Like the script is so good, which mm-hmm. is one thing, but we should take five minutes here. Samara Weaving's amazing. She's amazing. 
Like so, her, man. not only is she just a beautiful human and just kind of lights up the screen when she's on it, and yes. they they yes. knocked, costuming knocked it out of the park with her- With her wedding dress? Look, the and whole with, time. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. also, just her daggone comic delivery is pitch perfect. She's wonderful. Um, yeah, she's absolutely wonderful. I've been on- the, I thought you were about to be like, I met her at the no, 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 no. no not not yet. Give it time. Um, but the, re- uh, the ready or not con. Picture now. There's also called the Ron Con. <laughs> my name's Ron. I should go to the Ron Con. Oh my so, god. Um, no. So basically, the um, uh, I've been on the Samara weaving train since she was just the the Australian girl that never wanted to go on a hike in the first place from Ash versus Evil Dead. Right. Um that's the first place that I remember seeing her and remember thinking like, "Oh man, she's 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 pretty great." Um but then I later saw her in the Netflix original called The Babysitter, which is really funny. It was funny to me. On Letterboxd, I had watched The Babysitter. I liked it. I had told a couple of people about it. I was like, you know what? This is not like the greatest movie ever, but it's a lot of fun and I think you'd really enjoy it and you should check it out. Samara Weaving's great in it. Um and what was funny is a lot of people just sort of, as they do, gave me like this passing little, oh, thanks, Reed. Oh, yeah, whatever. And they never like go, go watch <laughs> that the sounds, movies that I recommend. That sounds, that, sounds right. It's, it, it is. And so, um, but after Ready or Not, Letterboxd has this thing where it's like, oh, here's the popular movie that everybody's watching. And sure enough, like after Ready or Not came out, I suddenly started seeing lots and lots of people go check out The Babysitter because Samara Weaving is so fantastic in Ready or Not. They were like, what else has she done? Um, so yeah, I I feel a bit like, oh, I was on this Samara Weaving train like for a long time, but now you know you all just- And Letterboxd kind of, was like, don't, don't, don't tell Reed The Babysitter's good. That- do you like that? That was great. Do you Don't like tell that? Reed, the babysitter's good. But you see, like I'm that? the one time. I do. I loved it. Well, I know. I was making a Let's... "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead" joke. I got it. Oh, okay. I got it. You acted real saying, like pondering. In the, no, uh, just in the thing. I'm the one telling Letterbox to the babysitter's I know, I know. good. It was, it was just. Know? It was in the moment, man. It. You know, I had to work I... on lackey listicle, the occasionally listless. Let's make. <laughs> I have such Let's a knack for. Def- I have such a knack for deflating a joke. Like it's, it's I'm really good at it. You really I'm, do. <laughs> I'm really good. At it. Like it's just Nathan. Nathan hears something funny and he just laughs uproariously to everyone's delight and amusement. I hear something funny and I'm like, well, really, that punchline doesn't work. You overthink. Because, you overthink. Because. It's like, wait a minute, that punchline's not a, a, a effective because it didn't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there could have been more so, Picard in that one. So um, <laughs> oh, man. But no, she's amazing. And she's um, I mean, just, and this can pivot into the specificity of the film, likes, dislikes, but like, I love the sort of convention early in the film of her talking to herself. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. And what I wrote down as part of my notes representative of the commentary of how strong I think she is here is this, that great exchange in the hallway between, I think it's in the hallway between the dad, Mr. Ladomas and Mm -hmm. her. And she says, how do I win or something like that? And he's like, Uh, Oh yeah. Well, you could hide till dawn. And there's this long pause and she's got this great big smile and she just goes, no thank you and it's just really 
I don't know, man. The way the the timing, the the inflection, it just it's hysterical. It makes me laugh. She's she's just so dang watchable, and and one of my favorite things that she did was like when she it's the little affectations because she hears the premise, uh, which by the way we should probably in a second sort of summarize the basic premise of the film. But she hears the premise uh, of her evening of her wedding night, and then she's like, "I'm gonna go put on." my game face yeah. and she does this like yeah, yeah, weird like yeah. hand thing and th- but the best part about it is like she does this weird like hand face and she's like I'm gonna put on my game face but as she's walking away she does this little like side shuffle mm-hmm. as she's walking like it's just th- there's so much about her that is just eminently endearing she's sure. she's a real she's a real delight it's gonna be amazing to see where she goes from here because I think the world's are well and this she's great this is a real showcase for her. I mean, it is. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I don't. I didn't look at box office numbers or anything, but I know just in terms of pure reputation, the film did really well. It was very successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it absolutely did. Um, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me either, but I know it was it was a, a bona fide success. Um, so something that's uh right near the top of my list is just uh, as a segue is just the premise itself. So the premise, in brief, is. This woman, Samara Weaving, is getting married, and the the movie kind of opens with a prelude where uh, you see all these people in masks, and they're hunting this man, and the man uh, begs of this little child, please help me, they're trying to kill me, and the child just screams out, he's in here, he's in here, he's in here. And so uh, they take this man away. Uh, flash forward like 30 years later, and Samara Weaving is getting married to you know her uh, fiancé, and on their wedding night, they had to get married on the grounds of his in-laws, or his, his family, her in-laws. And on their wedding night, um, right before they are about to consummate the marriage, he's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. And he's like, we need to go and, and we have to play a game. And she's like, what are you talking about? And her family, I guess it's a tradition in, in their family, you, you learn that every new family member that joins, they have to play this game. But the game is selected. I'm not going to summarize the entire history, but they are this like deeply entrenched rich people who are funded by a, is he there? Is he not there? Spectral entity uh, that presumably will, you put a blank playing card into this magical box and the magical box will tell you what game you're supposed to play. And if you happen to draw the card that says hide and seek, then the version of hide and seek they play is where the new family member has to hide before they find them and ritually sacrifice them. So it's uh it, it's pretty it's a long. Bar- it's a barrel of laughs. <laughs> but the one of the things that I th- I remembered watching it the second time, and I felt this way the first time, but watching it. That first time when they put on that jaunty record, yes, you know, it's like, that's great. I want to play a game, hide and seek. You know, and like, no, 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 thank you. Sing the whole thing. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> you did good there. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So maybe funny one day. So uh, the uh, so basically, like when she's running and she's trying to hide while that jaunty music is playing, as each of the other family members are passing out weapons. I remember just being so energized. Like, this is an exciting premise for a film. Like, it's a, just a great, great idea uh, for a movie. And uh, and it's a lot of fun. It's just, it, it, that's a great inciting moment. But the whole the whole thing is really fun. 
Well, and as a random trivial bit insertion here, uh, you just mentioned the weapons. Uh, I did not know this was called this, but the pepper box revolver that Emily mm. has oh. uh, has been the version of the gun, the weapon used in the North American edition of the board game Clue since 1972. Oh. That's nice. I did stumble across that that bit. That is really really delightful. That is fun. You're did delightful. you ever play Clue? I like Clue. Yeah, we actually Clues, we've Clues. got we've got Harry Potter Clue and we play that every now and then. Ooh, I would love to play that. That that's that's a that's a remarkable game. So one of the things that is interesting because you know in this film, uh, you know the other family members that have come to join play you know old maid chess whatever. But Samara Weaving's character draws the dreaded hide and her name is Grace. I need to start referring to her as Grace. Draws the dreaded hide and seek card. And when she draws it, I read something that there was there there's a a theory that she is chosen to be like ritually sacrificed rather than join the family for one of two reasons. Did you did you stumble across this bit? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first is for listeners, because Nathan already knows it. Um, the first, the first reason is that because I could have just lied. I, I don't. Yeah, I'm that's, not to that's do that. no, that's a that's that's a fair point. Um, <laughs> so, uh, she she was possibly rejected and chosen to be sacrificed because her heart, uh, really was like harder to turn into this uh rich methodical killing machine that she actually was marrying for love rather than just to get the Ladoma's fortune. Um, that's one theory. The other theory is that she was basically selected for that fate because her fiance, the uh, the son Alex, was trying to break away from the family, and so this was the way to sort of entrench Isn't, him back into the family. Is Daniel the Daniel? Oh, Daniel's is the brother. The brother. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. So Alex, yeah. Alex, Alex, and Grace are getting married, and Daniel is the is the brother. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, but. But yeah, I found that really interesting that like that's why she's chosen for this is that she's not in it for the Ladoma's fortune, but she's in it just actually because she's trying to get married because she's in love. And uh, I found that uh, really interesting. Um, put a pin there. Um, ah, okay. You know, I think one of my only dislikes about this movie is I mentioned her the costume design for her earlier and you know she starts in this really lovely wedding dress and then the the action ratchets up and and she tears the bottom trim off the dress and is in her kind of chuck taylors and there's a real ellen ripley style moment in the film where Ah, she where she puts on the the Gosh, I don't even know what you call the bullet holder thingy, the Chewbacca. Yeah, it's probably it's probably got a yeah, it's probably got a proper name, but just like the bullet sleeve. Yeah, yeah and the shotgun. My only dislike is I wish she'd kind of been in that mode a little more, a little longer. You know what I mean? Because that that uh, that gets dispensed yeah. with pretty quick. Because immediately immediately after that is the kitchen scene, and again, you know, I love so much about the film. That's just a tiny little thing, but I liked. I think that 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 imagery is so strong and it's what's sold on the marketing, you know? Yeah. Oh, um, oh absolutely. That would have been cool a, to see that a little longer. Go ahead. So not disagreeing with you about that would have been cool for that to have been extended. 
<laughs> but actually, I appreciated one of my frustrations. Uh, and you know, stay tuned, everybody, for 2020, 2020. Uh, we might finally get to a little film called 28 Days Later. But one of my frustrations with films is when they take a character that you have already established has no like combat experience, has no like navigating tricky, treacherous situations experience, and then suddenly they're freaking Rambo. Like, they just know all the places to hide and they know all the things to do. One of the things I absolutely love about this film is that throughout, everything that she does, to me, feels very believable. Sure. It feels like these are things that a person of this station and skill set would do and would be able to do. Yeah. And that's one of yeah. the things I really loved about it is that they don't as, but I'm not disagreeing with you. That image is really awesome. And it's great. <laughs> like she, she catches herself yeah, in the mirror yeah. and just like, what? But, um, that's <laughs> what? Not the no, <laughs> no, but, um, but I do, uh, but again, just as a, as a sort of a, an applause to the film, I appreciated that even though yes, mayhem ensues and the hide-and-seek game extends throughout the evening, the things that are happening are things that I easily believe could happen to a character like this, yeah. um, and that she would yeah, easily I, be able and, to navigate that. And I can totally get behind that, and I think that works. I think I like that thing you're describing, and we even brought it up, more in a film like Strangers, which is mm, mm, very yeah. gritty and real-world. Um, yes. Whereas something like this that's a little more heightened – a little more fantastical, right? Right. right you know, right. you you can feed that trope a little more. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, we we are both correct, Reed. We're both correct. <laughs> we're we're both right. Um, we're both right. I I love Emily. I think she's hysterical. Emily's amazing. I didn't know until seeing this film because I've never watched the show. I guess she's she's the lead in a show called Winona Earp. Um, but this was the first thing I had ever seen her in. She's fantastic in this. She's hysterical. hysterical. She is so so funny. funny. Oh my gosh! They're all like, "Aim for the center of gravity," and she just she just cries like, "I don't know what I'm doing." <laughs> I love when so funny Aunt Helene sees her and brown haired niece. You continue <laughs> to exist. It's then, great. That little half giggle that she does after that, like, <laughs> yo, yeah, so, yeah. So I mean, yes, yes. Oh man, she, she's she, wonderful. She might be the next. Uh, level down standout to Samara Weaving. She she is for me. I I really love her in this film. She's great. I think uh, the it it can't be you can't bring up Emily without mentioning the hysterical way in which she keeps offing members of the staff. <laughs> that's great. It is, like it's great because like she shoots she shoots the one and that's sort of more of a shocking moment than it is a comical one. But then when she's messing around with the crowbar oh, or the or the, the crossbow, crossbow, yeah. Yeah, she she takes out another one and my favorite part about that whole sequence after she takes it out with the crossbow is that then Aunt Helene keeps trying to be like it must be the bra and then like the gurgling. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. The corner. Well, the film the film knows when I, I think something the film does well is it straddles the line of comedy and absurdity. Sure. I, sure. Um, I would have to talk this through a little bit more. My knee jerk thought is I don't know that the film goes into absurdity. I think it mm. knows how to play with the toys it's put on the put out without it just getting stupid. Um, but moments like that stand out to me. It's like, sure. It's, it's funny. It hangs there just long enough for you to be (laughs) aware of it. Um, 
and, re- and register. Um, I think the butler singing in the kitchen is a really great beat. Really great moment. That's that's really cool. And then I love the way that Tchaikovsky's eighteen twelve overture sort of follows that butler around, uh, paying off in a really great way in the car crash scene. I I love that whole like which the car crash setup is fantastic because the family is watching, but he's turned his music so loud he can't see that she's awakened at the back. Uh, So a passing comment about that. I'm not intending to be like super silly, but it it was a little weird to me that when Daniel like smacked her in the face with the butt of the gun that that knocked her out for longer than the tranquilizer dart did like that struck me as odd like the tranquilizer, tranquilizer dart knocks dart. her out i can't remember and then so the tranquilizer dart is how the butler got her oh, to pass out right, when right. she's in the car but presumably she's in the back seat for maybe five minutes and comes to but boy you take a gun butt to the face and you're out for like an hour like this this is that's bad you're just overthinking it riri i just you just go with it i'm I don't know that I'm overthinking it as so much as I'm just thinking it. And well, maybe in a movie like know. this, you're overthinking a little bit. You're like, <laughs> no, like, no, come on. Last come time on. I got hit in the face with a gun butt, I was out for a solid 25 minutes, but that tranquilizer dart put me low for an hour. <laughs> well, when you say it that when you say it that way, I hear it. So yeah, I, th- I think you're right. When you, when you say it, <laughs> I hear it. I hear it now. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna I just have this so, like yeah. I just have this mental image of of you with your love of horror, like testing out things on yourself <laughs> to see to see how they would how they would work out in a real world way. Wonder what happens if I was chained at the bottom of a lake and couldn't saw my own leg off. Like, I wonder. What, I wonder what would happen. <laughs> I wonder what would happen if I, I had a nightmare boiler room hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what would happen. Oh my it's, gosh. It's it's a grand old game at the Lackey House. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I wonder what would happen. So uh a couple more things that I found really, really funny. Tell me. Um I love that he that he Google, I'm gonna censor myself, but I love that he the man Googles packs with That's the devil. Are great. they are they real or are they bullshit? I mean, like, oh yes. my gosh, that was so well, so funny. I, I feel like I feel like they do a good job by pretty much every character. Now, some stand out more than others, but by pretty much every character of giving them some real solid beats. Oh, absolutely! Um, and in yeah. fact, did you catch absolutely. that when he's watching the video of how to work your crossbow? That's the writers. I did. Yeah. I heard that. Yes, I found that in the trivia. Didn't know it obviously until the end, but but yeah, I found that out in the trivia. I have uh, a couple more here, but I want to make sure don't steal all of yours possibly, but Grace's Grace's freak out when the car doesn't pick her up is, is fantastic. We've already sang some arrow weavings praise, but like when she freaks out because the, the car stops for a second as she's struggled painfully to get through the bar gates right time, scratching up her back. And then the car stops long enough to just tell her, get out of the road. (laughs) And then she, she has this meltdown that is just deliriously glorious. It's, well, it's hysterical. This could um, be represented in scares, but I'll throw it in here as we just continue to sing the praises of her performance capability. Last week on Midsommar, Meredith specifically re- referenced Florence Pugh's uh, performance in the wailing scene at the top of Midsommar. Well, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be able to be so strong comedically and then her samara weaving's shrieks at the end are oh, yes, otherworldly yes i, yes, I mean yeah, that's yeah, yeah. this and what's unsettling funny is like, 
there's a warble to them. Like there's yeah, a, there's, yeah. A, there's like a I couldn't even replicate try it. If I tried. No, I'm not gonna try. I wonder. It. If, I wonder how it would sound if I. <laughs> I wonder what happened. If I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I just I sound like it. a giant turkey. <laughs> I wonder what happens if I make an idiot of myself. Um, yep. S- <laughs> Did it. There. Nailed there it. It was. <laughs> Manson. <laughs> Manson nailed it. <laughs> I wonder what happens if I try to make an idiot of us. <laughs> the man said nailed it. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ooh. Oh, man. So, okay, yeah, so I can't replicate it, but she has this great, like, vibrato scream that is, uh, it's it's really amazing. It's really fantastic. Mm. Um, okay, so before we get to scares, maybe this will be the, did you have anything more in likes, dislikes? Mm-mm. Um, before we get into scares, this could probably uh, bridge those two things, but on on my list what what's my moniker again what, um <laughs> you are lackey listicle the occasionally listless list making lackey <laughs> these are these are my adventures so yes, yes. um so in that in that role uh on my list of like favorite spontaneous moments in any film at all for the last 10 to 20 years or whatever is when the family begins one by one bursting into pieces. That's wild. Like because so so listeners who haven't seen the film, you know, you definitely should see it, but this is a big spoiler to the end is the reason that they are hunting her is that the the conceit of the film is that if they do not catch her and sacrifice her to Straight up to Satan, by the way. But if they do not sacrifice her, then they will die. That's all we know, is that they will die. And there is some debate through the course of the film about whether or not this is real or just some made-up tradition. And and so then, when dawn comes, they're trying desperately to be like, oh no, and then and there, there's a moment where they're all like, oh, okay, so it was all just garbage. This, you know, this is not really happening. We're not going to really die. And then one by one, they start spontaneously combusting. It is just one of the most gleefully horrific surprises I have seen in any film. And it was a pitch perfect way to end this story. It was, it was amazing. I loved, loved. Well, and uh, culminating in the the trio of Emily and the two boys when they run out of the door, and then just this, <laughs> this, this tri- tri- trifecta of bursts. <laughs> It happens oh it's disgusting <laughs> oh my lord uh, and then when and then when she says like i want a divorce and throws the ring at him and he like explodes on yeah, impact yeah. it's oh man it's it's great it's absolutely great um what you got for scares so i wrote down a list of the kills since we're liking lists Ooh. And I, okay i wondered if we'd do a quick rundown so you just mentioned the explosions of what i called hell goo um <laughs> you've got mom her head gets bashed in and and by the the box right yeah. um you got and one of the more brutal deaths yeah you've got daniel gets shot in the neck that's rough 
kind of sucks that he gets taken out because he eventually yeah. sort of does the right thing. And uh, yeah, so it kind of well, sucks he, out, he gets but. taken out there. He's gonna get taken out by the hell goo. You know, either either that or he's just gonna yeah, either that or he's just gonna explode. You got Stevens who dies in the car wreck, presumably, right? Oh, I think so. Yeah. 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 Now he's never seen again. It's not so a kill. It's not a kill because that happens later. But uh, Georgie, Grace, Grace punches that kid out. Oh man, that that's such a great scene. No, that's yeah. such a great scene. Like, cause he shoots her. She's trying to like level that's with rough. him or whatever. Yeah. And then she shoot. He shoots her in the hand, and and so she just walks up and just clobbers the kid. Just like straight up punches him. That was great. Yeah. And then the maid. Yeah. Then the maids. Shot in the face by Emily, crossbowed in the mouth by Emily, crushed by the dumb waiter. That was rough. <laughs> yes, the speaking of red the shirts. parade, yeah, the parade of uh, just hired help. So, in, on my scares list, Grace falling into the hole and finding <sighs> all the dead bodies is pretty awful. But surprisingly, her journey out of it is, is far, far yeah, worse. Yeah, <laughs> it is awful. Um, I had read a piece of trivia that said that. That because there's one point, so she's been shot in the hand, creating this big hole in her hand. When she's climbing up, she is not visibly aware that there is a a sort of rusty nail sticking up on the place where she's trying to gain purchase with her hands. And so she lifts up, and when she lifts up, the hand that has been wounded smashes right down on that nail, which was CG, like the nail going up through was a computer-generated effect. They were worried it would look really dumb until they saw how Samara Weaving sold it with yeah. her acting, and yeah. they were like, no, this is this is fine. This is great. Um, to, again, that ain't, wonderful praises to that, her. That ain't right. That ain't, that ain't right. That ain't right. Uh, you know what else ain't right is your boy putting hydrochloric acid in the wine. Right? No. Oh my no, gosh. not right. Ain't right. That, that. Ain't right. That ain't right. That ain't yeah, right. It was, That's so gross. It was great though because like they're just about to do her in, and then it all comes crashing down because he poisoned because he poisoned the wine. I love that he's like, no, no, no. I googled it. They're they're gonna poop funny. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. For like couple a couple days. weeks, but then they'll be yeah. fine. Oh yeah, a couple days and they'll be fine. Um, I the, loved this. Go ahead. No, all I was gonna say is that it's already been referenced, but the self-inflicted gate wound is awful. That's gross. Yeah, it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. And it's all just because she's trying to get out. She can kind of squeeze through, but there's a sharp, uh, I don't know what you would call those decorative sort of little uh, hooks that they have on it, but there's a sharp little hook that's pointing up. She has to squeeze through, and there's like just enough space for her to squeeze through, but that hook is cutting into her skin like maybe half an inch, and, and so she's got to endure the pain to squeeze past it, and it is it it is a rough scene to watch. Um, I. I both love and I'm listing it in scares for a very specific reason. I love when like quote unquote Justin shuts down the car because it's been reported oh, as stolen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason I'm citing that as scares is because it's a really tense moment. All of a sudden it like shuts down. Yeah. And so she's locked in this car completely in the woods. Like she knows they're hunting for her. Um, it's, it's, it's a pretty suspenseful moment, but yeah, that's, that's a great, that's a great moment. Siri, wouldn't, last, Siri wouldn't have done that. No, series far kinder to us than that. Um, the the last thing I wrote in my scares, I don't even wasn't even that scared of it, but I was just like, wow. So they really are Satanists. So that's, that's <laughs> like I mean, that's like kind of intense up. when that happens. Yeah, like oh, yeah, I, like straight was, up, like it, I and was enjoying laughing. 
<laughs> but now, now it's gone really dark. Unsettled. Yeah. It's super dark, bro. I think my uh, my last uh scare here that actually has echoes into theme um is just Alex turning on her is real rough. That's a, that's a hard to watch. And I so everything about that in a film that is mostly comic and macabrely funny. Uh, macabrely is not a word. But I, I, I didn't but, know what just happened there. I thought you just sneezed or like just burped. <laughs> macabrely. Uh, so, but no, it's a. It's like a it's dessert. A new, it's like a dessert. Yeah, it's a new Starbucks drink. What do you, like, do, you a, do you want a chocolate peppermint macabrely? It is. It's the kind of thing we'd make up to to sell ourselves overpriced it's, treats. It is true. It y'all, is true. It's, y'all, it's shaped like a little. Pumpkin. You tried the macabrely um, yet? <laughs> There's. They have no. sold out. You no, can't get no, it anymore. No, no. Okay, mo- moving on. Um, so, uh, but the uh, it, the film is mostly funny, even in bleak ways. But when she bludgeons the mom with the box, and then right after that is when Alex finds her, culminating in Alex, you know, turning on her and turning her into the family to to be sacrificed. That whole thing, it just all gets really heavy very, very quickly. It doesn't linger there for much longer before it comes back up into the sort of absurdly, you know, dark comic kind of feel. Um, but uh, but that part is, is arguably the heaviest sort of scene in the film. Um, yeah, it is a little rough to watch. Do you, do you want to play the game? Let's do it. What you, what you got for me? Um, I mean... Admittedly, it's just kind of scant thoughts with without the traditional monologue I tend to attach to these things. So maybe it'll yield, you know, twenty minutes of conversation. Maybe, uh, maybe it'll be a short five, and we're we're out. All um, right, all right, buckle up, everybody. Either way, ready or not. So it, I do think it's interesting, and you, you, I, I'm I'm at the same moment propping up conversation and praising what we're trying to do this year um, in terms of 2020, 2020 and looking at the things that scare us represented by signature horror films of a given year. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like Joker, like parasite. I mean, ready or not is a class film. Yeah, it is. It really is. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's at least two lines in the film. um, I think, I wrote, oh, uh, Daniel at one point says the rich really are different, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when the car leaves her, the driver of the car leaves her in the middle of the street, she's yes, kind of bellows rich people. Yes. Yes. And I, I don't have a ton of profundity to offer here other than just we use these films as a lens into the real and and you have at least in this case a one percent level family who exercise power over those not in their socioeconomic strata and whose own status is by the end of the film literally but you know is shored up by for better or worse powers and principalities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I don't know. It it it's fascinating to me that even in the end of the film, Grace, metaphorically by name and literally by character, yeah, gets 
traded for power by one who claims to love her. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I just think how often we see that play out. It's 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 that transactional zeitgeist we were talking about on Parasite, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm going to barter, trade, sell, buy this thing and and in so doing assign it a particular value and in a lot of cases this thing is a person or persons right right and kind of what that means for us go ahead so something that the film doesn't define very clearly and you could you could call this a ding on the film but it just doesn't take the define the time to define it very clearly is this ritual this this sacrifice ritual is supposed to happen every single time somebody new joins the family but presumably it also takes place it recurs i don't know if it's if it i was listening this time around and if you caught this then illuminate me um i don't know if this ritual takes place like yearly or periodically or whatever but they sacrifice goats when they don't have uh, a person to sacrifice they sacrifice goats and I, I don't remember, even in two viewings, the film specifying the regularity with which they would do that. But it did specifically call out that they do that on occasion. And uh, the patriarch of the family says to Grace at one point, after she has been very successful in eluding them and in abandoning the ritual, he says to her, who do you think you are? You're just another goat. Hmm. And... This family's money, to your point, this family's money and power and wealth and status is dependent upon someone else's expense. It's dependent upon these ritualistic things. Uh, you mentioned that in the film, literally, although I'm 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 fairly confident the the filmmakers. Uh, you know, they may or may not have a sort of a faith perspective, but I don't think the film is specifically after a version of faith perspective. But they are literally, this family is literally propped up by a spectral entity. Like, all through the film, they tease the fact that, like, nobody's ever seen this Mr. LaBelle who supposedly gave them their fortune. Nobody's ever seen him in the real, except for Alex when he was a little kid. Well, Grace, after the whole family has exploded... Grace eventually sees him. Yeah. Like, you know, the fire bursts and he's sitting there and she, she does this little like, wow, all right then. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, let's like, okay then. Um, and, and so I do think it's, it's fascinating to me the way the film indicts their acquisition of wealth. I forget who said it and in what context, but there has been probably several quotes at this point about how the problem with being wealthy is that you spend all this time acquiring it and then you're afraid somebody's going to take it. Somebody's going to take it away from you um, or that it's all going to come tumbling down. And I do find it fascinating the way this film sort of plays around with the ways they are desperate to the point that they will literally commit murder. They are desperate to maintain their status, maintain their wealth, maintain their legacy, and I do feel like you could view it in a very reductive way to say, oh, it's just consumerism or it's capitalism or it's just the wealthy elite versus the you know poorer middle or lower class. Um, 
I do think that the, 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 those would be valid if a bit reductive viewings of the film, but I think it's it's scratching at something more in our general materialism, our general obsession with this is what I have, and it doesn't matter that it's that it requires the diminishment and destruction of other people for me to maintain it. This is mine. Right. And so, and so, and I, I am therefore, you know, uh, I, I have chrome to hate this word and for how it is thrown around too glibly, but I am entitled to this thing. And so I will, uh, will do whatever is necessary, even at the expense of my own soul to continue to, to maintain it. And that is, that that's a remarkably chilling sort of prospect and examination in an otherwise rather jaunty little film. You've used that word a bunch. It's a good word. Jaunty. I, I, lo- I love it. It's well, a- that was the first word that came to mind when oh, wow. I heard the little, I want to play a game. Run, run, run. <laughs> Time to run and hide. <laughs> run, run, run. Hmm, I wish so, copyright law would let us. Be able to put, <laughs> not prohibit us from being able to use that. That's our outro. Oh, no. You oh, just yeah. have to hum it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm tempted deeply to take this political and present and current. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't totally know the value of that in the moment, um, other than to simply say stuff like this is not meant, I think. Mm, even if it is meant by authorship, we are as folks meant to discern and meant to find value and make meaning, there are applications here that are valuable and useful. Um, Did you end up seeing Knives Out? I haven't yet. It it will will soon be. Definitively you should, but there's uh, not the supernatural aspects, but there's some interesting parallels and, and echoes of, of story that mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. but i don't know i just think when you scratch beneath the surface and and put on the table the conversation of temptation to materialism desire to not just hold all the things but to continue to gain all the things mm-hmm. and what that gain causes in terms of human debris on your way towards acquisition is, is right is right is a very present conversation <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely well and there's so much tied into it and we we don't have to linger long here but there's so much tied into it about inferiority and superiority like you know uh, the mom becky who throughout the film uh, once or twice has expressed like, you know, uh, I, you know, I like you. And she even tells Alex, she's like, I like her. I don't want to do this, but we have to do this. Um, And it was something that hasn't been brought up yet is that Grace was uh, a foster kid. She was bounced around and she wants a real family. And it came in towards the last before Grace beats her to death with with the game box. Um, Becky says, you don't deserve a family. And it's 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 really remarkable the ways in which our own and I think this would apply at any level. It is possible sitting in whatever station you're in to think more highly of yourself than you are, which is something the scriptures compel us not to do. But 
to consider that you have, I think part of the danger to these people is they, they are aware that they have been granted this status by someone else or by something else, but they give themselves too much power in their own mind to maintain it and to continue to prop it up when, in the ways in which they sacrifice goats and sacrifice people. And, and uh, they just they, they give themselves this superiority complex where they, you know, they talk from the early on in the film like, well, is she one of us? Is she, you know, there's, there's an automatic sort of elitism. There's an automatic sure. sort of uh, upper level of like, well, but is she, is she really one of us or not? And that's part of what I, I'm, the trivia that I mentioned earlier, part of what I love about the theories of like why she's rejected. I think if I were to, you know, to sort of embrace one, I think I would want to embrace the fact of like, and, and here, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere with this because I think part of why he rejects this this mystical entity that propped up their wealth, this Mr. LaBelle, part of what I love about the ending is, in the end, he does not destroy her. He destroys them mm-hmm. and nods to her. In the, so listeners who haven't seen the film, there's a moment where all of the family has spontaneously combusted, leaving Grace blood-soaked, but there, alone, standing in the house. And the fire, the fireplace flashes, and when it flashes, she sees a very brief image of this spectral creature, this Mr. LaBelle they keep talking about, sitting, yeah, a person, sitting in this chair. And that person nods to her as, in what can only be described as an acknowledgement of respect. Like, nods to her like... Like, go on with your bad self. Yeah, like, you got this. And... It is remarkable to me the ways in which, like, I am, I would embrace in the theory of why he makes them play hide and seek. I do think I embrace the whole, like, well, her heart is not like this. She is, you know, pursuing family. She is pursuing affection. She is pursuing love. And so her heart is not captured by all of these other things. And therefore, she has a shot at potentially being this family's undoing. Which is, I just, maybe I'm reading to, I have a tendency to overthink, as we've learned throughout this episode, but, uh, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that just, I, I found that moment in each of my viewings of this film, I found that moment remarkable, that he explodes the family, as per their agreement, but then he didn't have to nod respect to her, he didn't have to, you know, give her all of that acknowledgement and respect, but I just, uh, I, I think if I were to make a summary statement on it for the sake of us, you know, sort of winding down is is I feel like sometimes the ways in which we can look around and consider our own status, I think we're in danger any time that we would look at someone else's station and feel better than them. I know that's a really like broad statement to sort of assign to this film, but um I feel like whenever we would look at someone else's station, because it's not just about money and class, it can also be about, well, I'm more spiritual than they are. Well, I'm smarter than they are. Mm. Well, I'm, you know, like I'm more moral than they are or whatever. And I think any time that we would look at someone and devalue them, I think the the path towards righteousness, witnessing someone else who is struggling with, with righteousness is is heartbreaking. 
And I think that's what you feel. You can feel frustrated or angry or furious, but you can feel a grief of sorts sure. that they are not that they are not along the path that you know would be more hopeful and helpful. But I think where we should interrogate our own thoughts and mind uh, and 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 hearts are when we would look at a person and be like, "Well, I'm I'm better than them. Right? You know, like I've I've, right. I've got them beat." Um, I think you're in a I think you're in a real particular peril at that moment of uh again you know the the scriptures compel us do not think more highly of yourselves than you ought to um and i think that's something that uh in all of these conversations that are going around you can you can bring it into politics you can bring it into religion you can bring it into whichever arena feels most appropriate or is more relatable to your station but i think we uh we are in trouble when we prop ourselves up and say we are we are better than fill in the blank of whatever group because well, more more likely you didn't get there on your own and it requires other people's sort of uh, downgrading to sustain that place anyway I'm, yeah. well and you're the way you're articulating that to try to make the the thing personal for a moment um this is not me patting myself on the back at all. That's not what it's intended to be. It's intended to be sharing with a friend and, and sure, fr- sure. friends who have come to listen to our conversations and, and how we grow together as we learn together. Um, it's funny. I Something that, mm, I don't know, maybe it was a New Year's type of uh, resolution is too concrete a word, but maybe it was a New Year's thing, but I've just been thinking a lot about purpose and intention and, Mm. um, you know, really, I'm going to say these things and I'm not great at doing it, but that, you know, we start at least with the acknowledgement. Um, yeah. Injecting purpose as much as I can into my comings and goings, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't even totally mean you change or alter the comings and goings or, or alter the pattern of life. It's you just, infuse intentionality into it long-winded way of saying i've been pondering so because of my work and because i do a number of kid pickups in a given week um not random children my own um i'm in the car a lot like Ah, like i am i'm in my car a lot and i get a lot of podcast listening done which is fun but I've also just been trying to think, like, how do how how and can I make this kind of purposeful, you know? And mm-hmm. it's funny, Reed. Like, I've been trying to, um, you. What spawned this was you saying, you know, our capacity to look down on others, like, yeah, because because right. you and I would look at the Ladomas family and be like, oh, well, we'll never be them, like, right, right, right. Exactly. I mean, like, yes. literally yes. in terms of our material wealth the odds of that happening are astronomically low. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. And so it creates this distance and distance means that I can not have to self-examine, right? Sure, um, of course. But it's funny, man. I For and for, for just random reason that it's not worth going into here, but I have the remnants of a case of bottled water in my car behind my mm. driver's seat. So, you know, it's like I was participating in a social event a little while ago and at which I left with some water bottles from this case and they've just stayed in the car. 
and and I'll sure. I'll you know I'm in the car a lot, so I'll occasionally drink water bottles. I drink out of these water bottles, and <laughs> it was funny as I've just been processing like you know purposefulness as I'm in the car all the time, or purposefulness in whatever realm, but just knowing I'm in the car all the time. There's a lot of, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, homeless intersections in Charlotte. Mm, mm, And I kid you not, like, I had just listened to our parasite conversation. Mm, And I'm mm. pulling up, and this doesn't happen to me this way that much. Sure. Where there's active, like, millisecond to millisecond uh warring is the wrong word that's too strong a word but you know like just what do i do i'm just listening to me and reed talk about the importance <laughs> and value of barrier breaking when it comes to socioeconomic right. boundaries and and faithful living means no one is above or below you we are all whatever and i can't look down like i'm not i don't anyway but maybe i do implicitly and and all this sort of stuff Right. And you're right. just having this and it's all happening in a split second, sure, right? Like sure. at, yeah, while you're at this stoplight. And I was yeah. like, Nathan, be purposeful. What is something you can do right now? I didn't I didn't have any cash on me and I, I don't want to undignify a person in this moment. And and so I just grabbed one of these water bottles and I rolled in the window mm-hmm. and I was like, Hey man, you know, here you go. Just I, I, I apologize for not having any cash. And I was like, just you know, it's unopened, it's for you. Right, and, and right, right, right. it's stupid. And it, again, it sounds like I'm patting myself on the back. I'm not. I'm just illustrating a moment of trying to to learn from oneself, trying to yeah. exercise yeah. faithfulness, trying to. And you know, I don't have some perfect answer for in, infusing purposefulness into all that we do. But I think for for myself, and 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 I would encourage you, and maybe for our listeners, like make that an active thing like you we so few of us will ever be in a position of the ladomus type of folk right but right but there are people a little above us and there are people a little below us and like parasite there are people way above us and people way below us and our ability to harmonize in those continuums is part of pursuing faithfulness i think yeah, yeah. Anyway. And yeah, and and recognizing that it's it's not uh it's not it's not a game. I'm saying this very deliberately for the context of the film like it's not a game where you uh have to win or lose or there's this some sort of like recipe rule book. Like you have to pay attention, you have to be mindful, you yeah. have to, you know, you have to recognize uh not every situation. And and I would also uh, like encourage you in what you said as we wind this conversation down. Um, and encourage listeners, like, I say this a lot in so many different contexts, but give yourself room to fail. Like, the efforts at trying, if you stumble into it and don't do it right very frequently, like, you know, if you're if you're trying to sort of be attentive or whatever, and then it, it you stumble through it, it doesn't work out very well the first time, and you're embarrassed, or, well, I didn't get that right. Like, don't, don't stop those efforts to sure. try, yeah. and just to be mindful, because it's something that we don't always have innate within us we applaud the people who are better instinctively at it than others but god don't uh don't despise yourself for needing to learn how to do something like that i don't know how to do it i don't know all the best ways to be supportive and mindful and less self-centered i don't i don't know that but if you have a framework to try 
to be more attentive to those around you and less attentive and self-absorbed to to yourself, um, then I think those efforts are, are worthwhile and give yourself room to fail in that uh, because there is there is tremendous value in the trying. Well, and and you know, just getting raw and real, you can speak into this. I'm feeling some slight self consciousness of you know listening to myself tell the story as a middle class man and oh look at me for helping out a homeless person i hope that's not i hope my, our listeners will have the grace to hear that was not at all the intention of the story but no of course you know, of course yeah no and uh, yeah no no I'll, I'll i'll speak into it for a moment because i struggle a lot i had a i had a a, a bit of an incident i remember one time i was coming out of a, a of a video store and I just happened to have a five dollar bill on me. There was a, a a man. I don't know if he was homeless or not. He he might have just been uh, somewhat impoverished, but he was out there. And I I gave him the five dollar bill. He was ecstatically grateful, and he was very much like, "Oh my God!" He's like, "Nobody out here has given me five bucks. I'll maybe get like a buck or two, but nobody's given me five bucks." So he was extremely grateful for it. There was a time several years after that that I can remember I made deliberate effort to go and give a few dollars to a person that I saw outside of the grocery store and he without going into a tremendous amount of details kind of kind of shamed me for it like what you think I need your money you think I'm out here like he was he was a bit he was framed towards being a bit like I'm a free spirit man I'm a citizen of the of the world and 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 I don't need your your pity or mm-hmm. your charity or whatever and I can remember in that moment s- taking something that I thought I was trying to do something good and thought I was trying to do something generous and helpful and, and, and being very shamed for it and by it. And so whenever I hear stories like, I, I, I can appreciate if, if somebody were to say like, oh, you're talking about all these times that you were generous to people below your station. That's such a you know an arrogant thing to say. I'm like, I feel like for the most part, we need to make effort to do our best to show good in the world. And part of the ways we do that is not only in thinking about and being more mindful of the places around us, but in telling those stories and in sharing our vulnerable and real feelings about, I don't know if I did that right. I don't know if I did the best I could do. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if it's even appropriate for me to tell this story. I don't know if it's something, you know, I don't know how to navigate this territory. That's okay. Like there's, there's freedom to, get it wrong both in the telling and in the doing but it is in the effort it is in the the facing the direction of wanting to help and facing the direction of wanting to get out of the it's a <clears throat> excuse me it's amazing to me that we're having this conversation about a film like ready or not because, sure, <laughs> because sure. you know like so much of this film uh feels more like lighthearted than that but i think i think that is the problem is there is a soul sickness that you can be drawn into where it is not lost on me and the metaphor is escaping me and and it is late and I'm trying to be mindful of time and wind this down, but it is not lost on me that they are gamers and that this is a game. The moment when the the, the patriarch whose name I am uh, forgetting, I think his name is Anthony or Tony or something, um, he pushes the, the uh, son Daniel against the wall. He says, you think this is a game? And Daniel says back to him, yes. Right. Hide and seek, right. remember? And that moment stood out to me so much of like, man, the ways in which life 
can feel sometimes like you're like, oh, I'm going to hit that thing and I'm going to hit it big. And, and my measurement of importance and my measurement of status is going to be, I get this much money and I do, you know, this much thing. And, and, uh, then, uh, that is how I'm going to make my mark and, and solidify my station within the world. And it's like, it's, it's not a game. It's not some sort of, um, like winners and losers, language. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's it's not that. There are people who have profound struggles in their life whether they are rich or poor. There are people who for I'm going to quote an old Paul Simon song that just some folks lives just roll easy. Like that's just that's just part of what happens. Um and it is not necessarily for us to decide all of those different things, but what is for us to decide and what is for us to I think interrogate is the ways in which we can feel uh, superior or better than, and I feel like in your story of sharing a water bottle with the with uh, like, look, I've quoted it several times on this podcast, but Christ Himself compelled people like, even if you give just a cup of cold water, you will by no means lose your reward. Um, I think it is a challenge to us to not like the Pharisees of His contemporary day do things so that they can be seen, sure, and they and 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 say and do things so that we can receive the applause. I think that's up to the internal workings of our heart. Right. Right. Um, uh, to, to interrogate where our mindset is from there. But all of that to say there is value in the effort. Stumbling through it is okay. Yeah. Getting it wrong is okay. Not understanding everything from the get go is okay. Twitter not understanding everything from the from the what'd you call me is all <laughs> right um it's it's like i get so furious at people in any degree who are like you should know this by now no like we we are all stumbling our way through this let's have a let's have an opportunity and a mindset to to try to educate people and to be teachable ourselves but it is okay if you're sitting there, you, my dear friend Nathan, you, listener, wherever you may be, it is okay if you're sitting there and don't know how to get this right and don't know how to treat it differently than you've been treating it before. But there is so much tremendous value in the effort to do so, um, to stop treating life like a win-lose you know, round-by-round game sure. and start treating it like a relationship, like a family, like a family, not mm. a game empire um, where it is you know, zero sum, and there's always got to be goats um, that you have to sort of offer up to maintain that status. But like a family, like a relationship, you know, I'm not going to pivot us into reflections on Midsommar one way or another, but like, you know, like genuine relationship is what we are after and uh, not a winning or losing victory loss type of game. So, yeah. It's funny. It's funny There's you say that. that uh, working in a sales environment, we watch these. I would say rather trite, quote unquote, inspirational videos sometimes. And one of them recently, it's and it's just silly sales speak. But one of the videos was like, "Winners win and losers lose." I was like, "This is so dumb. This is so dumb." That's, and yes, that's very dumb. Not faithful at all to mm-hmm. any version of kingdom living. Well, um, uh, I am choosing to push past my self-consciousness and trusting the grace of our listeners to um you know uh, as you've sort of articulated we all learn this stuff together and it's really funny yes. it's really funny I, I shared this thing oh this seems like something fun to share and now i'm 
feeling weird about it. But um, oh, all good. So let's can we go to the fog meter? Let's please, by all means. Let's go. Um, Ready or not? To the fog meter we go. So we measure these films on a metric of fear and God. And I, I think I'll start on fear and, you know, um, there are some harrowing elements to the film, but overall it's more just kind of comedy gore, right? And and right, so I think right, for right. myself, I think I'm going to land at a five on the fear okay. measure. Um, I'm I'm kind of right there with you. I would probably escalate it up a, a bit to a six. Um, it's not a nightmarish film. There's some harrowing and suspenseful scenes, but it's more. Um, it, it is less of the sort of frightful or even disturbing reality. It's just it is it, even the horror in it is pretty fun, um, which I love about it. Uh, for the God meter, though, man, this is a tough one. I think in light of the character's name and my affection for Samara Weaving and my general overall affection for this film, I'm going to lean probably heavier than I should on the God meter. I'm going to give it some grace. Um, I think it is about some interesting things, um, but uh, even if it does not unpack those things in a, in a deliberate way, I think there's a lot of interesting things going on about it. I'm going to lean high, and I'm going to go nine. Wow. Yep. Um, I think very highly of this film, but I do think most of its, uh, no pun intended cards are on the table. Um, (laughs) um, for substance meter, if, if we're playing the game and hedging a bit, I'll go seven. Um, okay. I think there's not nothing there. I think what is there is pretty, pretty textual and not subtextual. Uh, that means that we give 2019's final entry in our month-long examination of your listener-voted films, ready or not, a 7 out of 10 on the fog meter. Nice. Which feels like a worthy nice. a worthy score. Um, I feel like it's probably a no-brainer, but Reed, do, do you recommend ready or not? Highly recommend ready or not. Like, like unqualified. I highly recommend Ready or Not. It's a wonderful film. Fun. Um, Super fun. I, too, with little to no reservation, I think. Yeah. You know, the the only people I would caution on this is if you just can't handle any sort of fantastical kind of gore aspects. But it's... Right, 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 right. It's right. a heck of a lot of fun. Yep. Nope. It absolutely is. And that puts this month wow. into the books. Nathan, it's happening next week. Listeners... If you have not gone to thefearofgodpodcast.com, if you have not clicked on that little banner up at the top to vote on 2020-2020, you have got to get with the program because (laughs) it is starting next week. Your year 2000 survey has already closed. As of this podcast, year 2000 has come and gone, and you have 2001 and through 2006 on the site. If you want to put in your votes for 2001, you have two days to do it before we're going to close that down from the site. So go there, cast your votes. We will be tallying this up. And starting next week, we are going to reveal your top 10 favorite horror films from the year 2000. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up on one of the films that is on the list. It's not necessarily the top, but one of the films on the list. And the one that we will be specifically covering is Shadow of the Vampire. 
from the year 2000 and stars uh, John Malkovich and Willem Dafoe, and you should absolutely seek it out. Fair heads up, listener. Eddie Izzard. Oh, Eddie Izzard is in it. That's exactly right. Fair heads up, listeners. It is not available digitally. You're going to have to consult your public library. You're going to have to dust off that DVD player. Um, it is at present not available anywhere digitally. But we will be covering Shadow of the Vampire next week as we kick off 2020-2020. Nathan, I'm excited. Are you excited? I am excited. This has been a good month. Oh, man. It's good. Absolutely. It's good to be back. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, listeners. Nathan, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I appreciate it. Listeners, don't forget that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week. See you guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at morethanonelesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.